Aalto University Podcast. I don't believe that one teacher can be cognitively present in two places at a time for the physical students and for the virtual students. We have to somehow come up with solutions uh, so that we can be fully present for everybody wherever they are. Welcome aboard Future-Led Learning. Future-Led Learning by Alta University. Our guest today, Professor of Practice Nina Normi, has had a long and successful career both in academia and business. She has PhD in work and organizational psychology, and she is the director of International Design Business Management program at the Department of Management Studies uh, in Aalto University. Besides working in academia, she has also worked as a human research manager in a Finnish digital health company, CRF Health. Her research and teaching topics include work and organizational design, teamwork, leadership, employee well-being and creative performance, and virtual work. So it is safe to say that she's your go-to person when discussing virtual teamwork and uh, virtual leadership, both very much needed in teaching during COVID-19 era, and definitely after that, when we move towards the new normal, whatever that may be. Our focus today is how we can best support our community at Aldo University to make most out of the virtual learning experience when navigating through Teams and Zoom meetings and collaborating online. Future-led learning by Aalto University. So welcome, Nina, and thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. You once said that... Um, You have a goal of instilling your students with a desire for continuous learning. Could you tell us a little bit more about that? Hmm. Yeah, you actually probably don't even know this, but I I even did my master's thesis work on continuous or what we call nowadays life-wide learning and especially what it means for knowledge workers. And I think the desire for learning is a critical capability for successful knowledge workers today, especially when the environment where we are working, the technologies and the society is changing so rapidly that we just have to keep up to the change and all the time follow development of of technology, new ways of working, <laughs> collaboration practices and so forth so that we can give the best of our own own knowledge and expertise to the work and also develop along with it. Lifewide learning is very trendy right now. What does it mean to you? It means that you you kind of have the approach of uh, of curiosity and uh, like Seeking for knowledge and sharing knowledge all the time doesn't mean if you are in in which context you are, if you are at school or or working or teaching or whatever you're doing. But learning is the mindset that you have that you do want to develop. You want to develop as an expert, expert, but you also want to develop as a person. For example, leaders, I think the curiosity and uh, willingness to develop 
as a person is the key for good relationships with your employees and your own success in your career. We have to have the ability to reflect our own behaviors, our own working, our own, own communication style and approach in whatever we are doing so that we can then learn about the impact that we have on other people and uh, how we can help them to be the better versions of themselves. Curiosity. That I'll, I'll pick that word from there. We often, when we teach teachers here at Aalto University at the pedagogical courses, we we sort of try and support people's curiosity towards what they're doing, whether it's research or whether it's teaching. Right. Because once the curiosity is there, you can motivate people to do a lot of things. Yeah. So what is your approach to teaching and especially online teaching? Yeah, that's a great question. We have all had to think again how we teach when we had to go fully online when the COVID uh, pandemic started. Of course, I have been thinking about virtual collaboration and virtual education a lot through my research before this happened. And in in IDBM, we have also uh, ran an virtual or blended minor for some years already. So we have some experience on that. But now when we had to go extreme in the virtuality so that people will never have a chance to meet each other face to face, it of course puts us in in a completely different situation because how I feel about collaborative approach in learning is that people have to know each other. They have to have a chance to uh, build relationships, trust and uh, deep connections so that they can, they feel the desire. They also feel safe to share their own knowledge, learn from each other, reflect together, even sometimes fail together, which is an uh, excellent learning opportunity for all of us. Uh, but if you don't meet each other, how can you build those relationships? How can you de- develop the connection to to really build the shared understanding and mutual uh, learning experience? So that has been one of our challenges, and um, and how we have tackled it. It's to invest as much time as possible for people's interactive time in in those sessions that we run uh, synchronously so that everybody is there at the same time. Everything that we can record beforehand and share with people to listen or read or or watch before the live sessions, we we share them because i don't i don't see a very good reason for inviting people online and just delivering one-sided uh, message so that i will only talk to them and they don't have an opportunity to get to know each other and and uh, build those relationships that i value so much future led learning you mentioned that it is important to engage students and i've i've come across this this thing many of many teachers say that they feel uncomfortable when they have to sort of teach to black screens my question is that should we even give monologues to the black screens or should we somehow change the dynamics there well i think 
giving monologues in a live session is waste of everybody's time. So if you invite students or collaborators to a meeting, just talking one-sided message to them, I think you can do it in, in different media. So you can, for example, record your lectures, you can record podcasts, you can video record or your material that people can get to know before they get together to the live session. And, uh, and it's much more efficient for people's learning to use that time for reflection or uh, discussion or ideating or whatever you need to do with the information to enhance the learning there in the live sessions. And, and that also gives people an opportunity to build those valuable relationships that we are missing so much during the, during the pandemic time. And uh, I've noticed, and well, from, from the researcher's point of view, I've noticed an interesting phenomenon, how people tend to, as you say, go black, black screens and put their videos off and, uh, and not even sharing their visual faces. And, and I think there might be good reasons for doing that. People are starting to be so tired for sitting behind the screens and staring at the cameras and other people's uh, small windows that what we see in the research, it causes a lot of fatigue, mental fatigue for people. And it's not very a uh, healthy situation for individuals if they have to sit by the computers from eight to late evening hours and, and uh, listen to these monologues and maybe between the lecture sessions, do all kinds of teamwork and, and stuff that they, they need to do, of course, a lot, again, through the video meetings. So it sounds to me like it's building up cognitive burden. Absolutely. Uh, cognitive overload is a huge risk that we are seeing that is increasing and also leading to people's well-being challenges. Maybe there could be a, a burnout risk increasing a lot that we might see when the pandemic gets a little bit easier because people have a tendency to really uh, strive and and survive when they have to. But when the things start getting a little bit easier, then we will see what the costs really are. Uh, what kind of skill is this? Now that we are during this kind of forced remote learning mode and, and everybody, everything is online and everything is virtual... How can we take the best out of it, but yet not cause so big cognitive uh, overload? Overload, yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, I think uh, one of the biggest benefits that the uh, virtual learning provides with us is autonomy, so that we can decide for ourselves how do we use our time, where do we want to learn and, and how do we want to learn. So, for example, if we provide our students with different types of learning materials that they can, for example, listen while they are walking, listen while they are commuting uh, to different places or reading. And then when we invite them to the online sessions, provide them 
exercises where can they they can use the time for doing something together and experiencing thing, things together. For example, uh, we have quite nice technologies in use. For example, Miro and Mural and uh, how do we? Yeah, it's Flinga that is actually now Alto. Yeah, we got the fl- we got the license for that exactly. Yeah. So Flinga is now uh, officially used in Alto University, but there are many other technologies that the IT is now investigating also. And these tools have developed so much during the pandemic time. We have used these tools before, but now what all they they have increased different features and opportunities for students to really. Uh, utilize them creatively. So uh, at least my students enjoy a lot using these technologies and they have been able to use them very creatively and uh, innovate and prototype and do these business industrial projects that we are doing in in IDBM. And before COVID time, I thought that it's it wouldn't be even possible to carry on our experimental learning approach that we have been doing in IDBM in fully virtual mode. But obviously it is. When you have to do it, then you find a way. What kind of experiences you guys have it? You mentioned that you have done this before. So what are the, what are your experiences of sort of best practices and what would you recommend not to do? Best practices is, I would say first, Give the students time to get to know each other so that uh, they build the motivation to work it with each other, work together and let them find and support them finding ways to collaborate in, in, in such ways that best suit each individual's situation because we all live in different situations we all have different expectations for the collaboration so it's very important that we share that information and we understand each other because those are the situations where the uh, most conflicts and most problem typically start evolving when people are prioritizing different things and just don't explain why they are doing what they are doing so understanding where where each team member comes from and creating mutual norms for the teams. So are we, for example, expecting each other to be accessible 24-7? Or where do we draw the limits? And what it means to deliver the tasks in in a certain deadline? How flexible the deadlines mm-hmm. are? And is it okay to work for an external company or external uh, employer alongside with your studies and what it means for for your commitment to the teamwork. All these things are quite sensitive and quite challenging topics to discuss, but I, I, I think that has to be done when the teamwork is starting because otherwise you will just uh, collide in in surprises and, and that will create problems. So openness. Openness, definitely openness and uh, transparency. Transparency, openness, setting rules, setting boundaries. Yeah. Also uh, setting expectations between the team members because, of course, students have very different goals also. If somebody is expecting to get a five 
and another person is more interested in just passing how to then go with the uh, collaboration and and what it means for different team members the motivation part and and how to how to motivate the students to do the these things especially now during the online work is is actually very complicated we don't see students anymore so we have to just trust them um being transparent and really instructing the students in the assignments and and in overall tell that our course works this way and you guys should set the rules for the teamwork what what other kind of best practices have you guys noticed uh one rule of thumb is that you have to communicate everything explicitly so you cannot expect that anything is intuitively understood and for example how do you use my courses i would say that in online courses your instructions must be really detailed because in any case there is a possibility for misunderstanding it will happen and i would even take it that far that we have to be quite aware of our tendency to build narratives of things that we don't have facts of. For example, as uh, teachers, if there is some kind of a behavior that we haven't been expecting from students, of course, as human, we start creating a logical assumptions of and, and reasoning for the student's behavior. But how true are they? I guess uh, most most often we are just telling stories and we are just telling narratives that might be wrong. They might be right. But if you don't ask and if you don't really look for the facts, your assumptions can create, well, interesting situations mm-hmm. when, for example, if it if it will be reflected on your feedback or or even creating. I think uh, as teachers and students, we have to communicate much much more in in virtual collaboration because uh, when we don't see each other there is no way we can intuitively understand each other's situations you've mentioned that that things like isolation and exhaustion and low control are something that are really burdening the students can you can you uh Tell the listeners a little bit more more about that. That what kind of tensions can virtual work like cause, and what kind of consequences that may like result in. So many students are feeling loneliness and isolation at like now nowadays, and still we are pushing them to do a lot of collaborative teamwork. So how can all this happen at the same time? And well. I think the loneliness stems from the feeling of low connectivity that you 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 can connect with your study mates at a cognitive level but not at the emotional level in virtual collaboration so you you miss all the fun you miss all the uh, off study happenings and getting togethers So we overload our cognitive mind and our study mind and and working mode, but we don't have enough opportunities to reload 
our batteries with all the social means and and get enough support from teacher and from teachers and our collaborators and that's one tension that may create quite 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 many uh, burnout uh, risks many times we suggest that the pedagogical studies that you should have some sort of a warm up exercise just to sort of create safety into the teaching not not only do we start of like offering them the substance the, just going through the the topics that we have but also like creating the atmosphere that hey it is it is okay to talk so so what kind of things to arise from your research hmm. well inclusiveness is one thing if more talkative students take more space in the virtual meetings the more shy and less talkative and even those students who don't speak english as their native language they may have a lower role or or lower presence in those meetings so that also is something that hinders the mutual learning between the teams and and also how safe the team climate will end up being So emphasizing the inclusion of of all team members and facilitating discussions so that everybody has an equal amount of time and opportunities to participate in in the discussions is one thing. Mm-hmm. Another thing is also sharing something personal, coming out as your real selves, being uh, vulnerable, sharing your situation and sharing how you really are. And not just bringing in the rational mind, connecting as as real persons. It's not easy. It's it's uh, demands a lot of courage for doing so because if we don't know each other already in in previous times before COVID, it means that you may have to expose yourself even more openly that than you would do. But I think it's it's very valuable for the high quality relationships and achieving that kind of a connection uh, with your study mates that allows us to learn much much more deep deeply. Wow, I, I think that's very crucial to for teachers to understand too that being vulnerable and real, authentic, yeah. is very important. Allowing your self to be you it's it's always safe to have some sort of a role but also show them that that we are all humans and and we're learning here and that's a very philosophical but important notion yeah and i also think that the motivation for learning uh, stems somewhere from there that when you know yourself well and when you expose yourself to others and 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 when you're vulnerable and sharing your authentic self, you can better find your true purpose and your true motivation for the topics that you're learning. Like, why are we here all together? Why why are we doing and learning these topics that we came together to learn? What kind of impact we are making for the society or for the client or whoever we are working at a moment what is the the higher goal that we are achieving or trying to achieve together but it's very difficult to get to that level with your fully rational mind if you don't 
dig deeper and try to discover your own deepest motivations and why did you start to study these topics in the first place? If we don't have the purpose, if we don't have the the reason why we're doing this, it it feels empty, and exactly. and you you lack the the motivation, and you're just doing it for the grades. Yes. And so then, it is it is important to think of those things. Yeah, and then you get tired. If you are sitting by the black screen or or listening all these uh, online lectures and monologues all day long, and you don't really understand why you're doing it. You get tired, but if you if you have the deep motivation and deep purpose, you know why this information is important for you, and you're enthusiastically building your expertise and knowledge for some bigger purpose. You don't get tired that easily. But I I must I must say that that requires a lot of courage also from the students, and it is definitely not easy. But then again, learning, of course, is not always easy. Learning sometimes might be difficult. And it's okay to admit that this is difficult. But how could we as teachers support that kind of deep reflection? And how can we like get the students to go on that deeper level level to really do that kind of reflection that why am I doing what I'm doing? Well, in in IDBM, we do this very individual level. We ask our students to reflect a lot. And it of course, it has to do with the topic that we are teaching. We are teaching empathy for creativity. It's very important to design anything for meaningful impact if you don't understand the people who you are designing for. So it all starts from yourself. You have to understand yourself first before you can think that you could understand anybody else. So we are... Uh, practicing that a lot. We reflect everything that we are doing. We are writing and discussing and uh, and doing it in very different ways and uh, trying to get it, get to know each other well. And yeah, for for us teachers, I for me especially, it's really rewarding to see the growth of these individuals and how much they grow as persons during the study years so that when they enter to the work life or their uh, careers after graduation, they have this all this expert knowledge, yeah, but they also live as bigger persons. Wow. Many times when, when you talk to people who have uh, approached their studies from this more surface learning uh, style, they they tend to say that they they learn more when they go to the working life but when you can act- you can actually start that process already here at the university absolutely from the pedagogical uh, point of view it means that you have to reserve a lot of time for reflecting the experiences if if your learning exercise has been to do do something, create something, prototype something, or uh, conduct research on something. It doesn't end there. That's just a start. But the learning happens after, when you go back to the work that you have done and try to understand why did you do certain decisions, how they ended with certain results, and, and how did people react to your work 
and what kind of impact that had on others and and how you would do it better next time. That's where the learning starts, right? Absolutely. What what kind of thoughts do you have toward when we go towards when we exit the COVID-19 era and and we go towards the new normal? What kind of new ways of learning do you see in the future reflecting all this experiences that we have had now? What do you, what do you see in the future? I think that we have now more tools that we can use. The classroom is not the only place where we can learn, but the students will expect us to uh, utilize all these virtual means later. Uh, however, I don't think that they want to continue this online learning right away after we are allowed to come back to the campus. I think most of the students will definitely run back here and enjoy all the social gatherings and we should allow that and not just exhaust them with 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 all the study study work but when that kind of a honeymoon period is over and and people go back to their everyday lives with their working alongside with studies and and they have noticed now how much easier it is to log in to classes in between the workdays and maybe study some pre-recorded lectures and study materials outside the classrooms. I think we should continue providing that. But how do we organize the hybrid teaching so that part of the classroom is there physically present and part of them are online participating That is some challenge that we haven't yet figured out. I don't believe that one teacher can be cognitively present in two places at a time for the physical students and for the virtual students. And it's very unsatisfying experience for each of those groups if the teacher start, uh, tries to divide their attention between them. But we have to somehow come up with solutions uh, so that we can be fully present for everybody wherever they are. That brings to my mind, we have it even, I believe it's even in our strategy now, the sort of co-teaching, teaching together. What kind of future do you see for that? I think it's a must. And we have always done that at in IDBM. So I, 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 I can't imagine running a course alone. And that, of course, it helps when you have two teachers available. So one of them can run the physical session, another be the online session at a time. But then we divide them alone in these different worlds. Definitely, that is one solution. In in hybrid form, I think the facilitation help is is crucial. It's must. Yeah. Yeah. And it's so much more fun for the teachers. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Why should we always consider teaching as something that we must do it? We can do it and it's mm. fun to do. Yes. And when you do it together, then you teachers can reflect the experiences together and then develop the experience for for yourself and the students for the future. And it's an uh, like ongoing developing process that goes on and it's it comes together with this life-wide learning experience that you have the curiosity also to develop as a teacher. Absolutely. 
As my last questions, I would like to ask you your personal experience. How have you experienced this year of remote working and and virtual team leading and 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 teaching? What what kind of experience has this been to you? Well, as a virtual work researcher, it's past, it has been an amazing opportunity, to be honest, uh, to be able to collect very interesting data on how our world of work is changing and uh, what kind of uh, solutions people have found for collaborating across the distance. And I think people have done an amazing job in finding ways to do the impossible. So our students are doing very great work. The outcomes of IDBM have been very good. Of course, I understand that some of the experiences that we typically do, for example, traveling, hasn't been possible. And that has been a sad A disappointment for many of us, but we have been able to compensate and have fun together. And and luckily, the campus has been open for for faculty that we have this opportunity to come here uh, every now and then and meet our colleagues and maintain the close connections and relationships that we have as a team. That sounds very good. And and you mentioned that we are here at the campus. Indeed, want to mention to our listeners that we have been recording. Today's episode here at the School of Business, and and we are very careful with the safety protocols, and and we obviously have the safety distance, and and we're very careful with the COVID restrictions. Uh, thank you, Nina. This has been an educative uh, discussion for me too. Uh, it was really nice to have you here, and uh, I'm really looking forward to cooperating with you in the future. Thank you, me too. Thanks for listening to the Future-Led Learning Podcast. This episode was hosted by Riikka Evans. It was produced, recorded and edited by me, Sakari Heiskanen, with music from Siddhartha Courses and the Future-Led Learning theme by Sagertson. All the University Podcasts.